At Kroger, we believe it takes the right team to bring you the freshest produce. That's why we partner with farmers who grow only the best. And that level of teamwork means better, fresher options time and time again. Working with farmers is what it takes to be fresh for everyone. Kroger, fresh for everyone. When you're a Boost member, you get free delivery, double fuel points, and lots more. Sign up at Kroger.com boost. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. All-Hit Radio! Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Welcome back to the X-Zone, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the Talkstar Radio Network, X-Zone Broadcast Network, UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition Radio, and on Star Cable. 1-800-610-7035 is worldwide toll-free. My email address, X-Zone at xzoneradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, xzoneradiotv at hotmail.com. And our website, www.exxoneradiotv.com. Jim Maroney is my special guest this hour. We're going to be talking to Jim about his book that was published in November of last year entitled The Extraterrestrial Answer Book, UFOs, Alien Abductions, and the Coming ET Presence. This is the second book that Jim's written. And uh, from the UFO Roswell incident to astronaut sightings and claims of alien abductions, reports of ET contact have increasingly, dramatically increased in recent decades. Also on the rise is the interest of all things extraterrestrials, as evidenced by everything from ABC's new V to discussions at the highest levels of world governments, not to mention the UN, acknowledging the existence of ETs. Exonation in 1987, our guest this hour, Jim Maroney, had an E.T. encounter at a small truck stop just outside of Manitoba, Canada, that changed his life forever. He spent the next 20 years studying the phenomenon of extraterrestrials, and the Extraterrestrial Answer Book, which is published by Hampton Roads Publishing, will provide answers to all of your questions about visitors from the other planets. Joining us now from Calgary, Alberta, is our good friend Jim Maroney. And Jim, always great having you here on the X-Zone. That's wonderful, Rob. Thank you very much for this opportunity. I'm excited about it. Hey, congratulations on book number two. And uh, what was your inspiration for book number two? 
Well, essentially, Rob, I think you just you know your introduction was wonderful in the sense that it it's encompassing some of the changes that are actually occurring very rapidly over the last you know four or five years. And I really felt that it would be appropriate to actually put this book together to try and address or trying to build a, a gap or bridge the gap mm-hmm. between you know what we currently know or what what we're supposing is actually happening out there versus what's really happening. So there's a lot to be discovered in this area. There's a lot of questions that we're still struggling to answer. And I really try to just give the bare bones of you know this is exactly what we know, and here's you know from that what we know, here's how we can extrapolate that knowledge to predict what we're, what's going to happen in the future. Jim, is the bridge between science and ufology closing? Is that gap finally becoming one where science is taking ufology much more seriously? Yeah, you, Rob, you know what? We need to really build that bridge mm-hmm. <laughs> between the science and the ufology. And, and Yet some of the traditional science is really disheartening. For example, when Stephen Hawking's made his claim, oh, uh, gosh, that yeah. famous one, yeah, just a little while ago, about you know we have to watch out for extraterrestrials, you know we have to be cautious about it. The challenging thing to me is is that you know when you have a gentleman, and I'm not really disrespecting Stephen Hawking in any way, but sometimes scientists fall into this trap where they, we, they make comments on a particular subject matter which they've not taken any time to research. And it's quite clear that we can apply yeah. really good science to the study of UFOlogy. Jim, you and I have and to it, take a commercial break. Sorry about this, pal. Please stand by. Jim oh. Maroney and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break, Exxon Nation. Whatever you do, don't go away. We'll be back in two. Take a step back in time and discover old Florida cuisine at Marsh Landing Restaurant in Felsmere. Enjoy delicacies such as frog legs, gator tail, catfish, and swamp cabbage, or enjoy the more traditional cuisine like hand-cut Angus steaks, ribs, and seafood. Join us for breakfast with a southern flair featuring sweet potato pancakes, biscuits and gravy, and much more. Planning a party? Marsh Landing's private dining room can accommodate groups from 8 to 80 people. While you're visiting, enjoy the historic pictures, artifacts, and stories that line the walls. Marsh Landing is truly a unique experience. Marsh Landing Restaurant, 44 North Broadway in historic Felsmere. Or visit marshlandingrestaurant.com. Marsh Landing, old Florida cuisine at its best. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. We all desire health, happiness, and fulfillment 
but often get in our own way. Repeated patterns that leave us out of control can keep us feeling powerless, frustrated, and unable to move forward in spite of our best efforts. Unconscious patterning disconnects us from our gifts, often destroying the very thing we seek. But there is an answer. We can take charge of our destiny and heal the trauma of our history. Shamanism is an effective ancient modality that can reconnect us with our true selves, empower the creation of our dreams, and return us to health and balance. Cody Alexander is a certified shamanic practitioner and teacher with 11 years experience. Email healingpathways33 at gmail.com or visit codyalexander.net to schedule a long-distance shamanic session today. Exonation, Jim Maroney is our special guest. He's also the director of the Alberta UFO Study Group. His website, www.aufosg.com. He's got a brand new book that came out in, well, it's, it's still brand new, in November of 2009, the Extraterrestrial Answer Book, UFOs, Alien Abductions, and the Coming ET Presence. Before we went to the commercial break, I, I had asked you if the bridge between science and ufology is getting any closer. And, you know, you brought up the point about Dr. Stephen Hawkins and his his comments where we have to be careful about the UFO presence or the UFO uh, experience because they could, in fact, be the have the same effect on the population of this planet that Europeans had on the members of the First Nations when the Europeans came over here to to uh, to North America and the diseases that they brought with them. But my my question to you, Jim, is with all the people that are reporting alien abductions, contacts, where apparently there has already been this contact and no one, to my knowledge, has ever suffered a disease that science cannot explain directly attributed to their encounter. So, you know, what was Stephen Hawkins thinking, for God's sake? Yeah, you know, it's hard to think. You know, it's, it's hard to really guess where he was coming mm. from. I think what he was doing was he was just giving a supposition about what he thought. And the one thing I will agree with Stephen Hawking was that life is likely to be prevalent throughout the universe. Yeah. And that seems to be pretty consistent. Obviously, for those people like myself who have an encounter experience, <laughs> it, it really shatters your worldview about everything. And it, it, it was like a complete starting point back in 1987 for me. And looking and trying to understand what we have to do and to make the changes we need to do in order to understand what's actually happening is going to be quite a challenge for us. And I think it's, I don't know if it's going to be resolved rapidly, but I think we're, we have to make that scientific effort to really look into the phenomenon in a, in a way, because that's what people want. People really want the best information mm -hmm. on the subject. They're entitled to it. They want it. And yet we have a lot of conjecture out there, a lot of misinformation, a lot of conflicting information. And we really need to move you know, past that stuff and focus on what we actually know and then develop programs and systems that we can use to analyze what's actually happening and then report back to the public mm -hmm. in a way that the public can actually trust the information that they're getting. You know, it's so often within the UFO community that information is kept very close because everyone wants to be the organization or the group that finally breaks the, 
you know, comes forward with a smoking gun. And if they only realize that if you share the information like law enforcement does, intelligence agencies, as well as members of the military, that the more information that you get out there, the faster you get the responses and the, uh, and, uh, the action can be taken appropriately. Um, so, so let me ask you this, Jim. You've had an encounter. Why do you believe that these extraterrestrials are actually here? Well, Rob, what we're dealing with, and this is the thing that a lot of scientists have been confused about. This is what I'm going to call it the game changer. Mm -hmm. And that is they're here because this is an intervention. This is not contact. This is not a process of contact. This is not contact in the conventional sense. First and foremost, what we are dealing with here is an intervention. And because of that, it completely changes the way we have to look at what's actually happening. And you begin to understand, and it starts to make sense, why it's happening the way it is happening. Uh, These beings obviously have the ability to interact with individuals. It's their preference to do that right now. And, uh, I mean, Rob, you know, I'm probably out there in... (laughs) Uh, in, in a sense of not being in a consensus with the UFO community on things like alien technology, and that's mm-hmm. a whole other subject and stuff like this. I don't really think we have that, you know, really for us right now. But I believe at my, and again, from my experience, that what we're dealing with is an intervention. We don't know exactly the context in which this intervention is taking place. In other words, we don't know exactly what they're trying to do. We have some ideas about what they're trying to do. And the idea is, is that they're trying to initiate some kind of rapid spiritual development in the human race. We still don't fully understand exactly what that means, but part of that is linked to some kind of biological component, which requires them to abduct people to not just perform medical observations on these individuals, but actually try to initiate some kind of change. And yet we still don't understand exactly what that change is. We may not until the change actually happens. So it's really a fascinating, you know, subject area right now, and there's certainly a lot to actually be learned from, you know, abductees. In fact, I had an opportunity just two weeks ago to shake the hands of um, of uh, Travis Walton. Oh, he's a great and guy. He, yeah, he's a and great guy. And you know what? I got to tell you, Rob, it was one of the first times in in my life that I, I just felt. Uh, I don't know, a unique presence of just being able to shake the hand of another human being mm-hmm. who had, that I can trust in my heart, that had a similar experience in a sense that, that I had. My experience was different than Travis's experience, but the idea of the psychological trauma associated with it, the struggle to integrate it into you know, your life in a healthy way is, is real. It's, it's a real challenge. I always thought that I was an open-minded guy, you know, until I had the experience. And then I realized, holy crap, you know, I have my limitations like everybody else. And it took a, it took a long time over, you know, many years, basically, to make sure that, you know, I had my feet grounded. I had, you know, continued with my career and everything else like that. But also, I never lost this importance of this, this focus that... I need to do something to try and educate everybody about what's actually happening. So really, when I wrote the book, it's not about me. It's really about all of us. It's about what's going to be happening to us. It's how to prepare for what's going to be happening. It's predictions on based on the solid evidence that we have to date, and also a guideline about what governments need to be doing right now to prepare for it. One of the challenges that we ran into was the fact that you know, people keep looking maybe for the government to do something. 
And that could be a long way. I mean, if you don't hold your breath on that one, I don't know, you'd be pretty disappointed. Well, look what so. they're doing in the Gulf of Mexico, for goodness sake. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. and there's a natural disaster that just keeps on getting worse every day. It, it really does, Rob. You know, and in my background in emergency planning, of my, my educational background uh-huh. and, and work experience has to do with health and safety. And part of that got involved with emergency planning. And to me, there's a real correlation between what's currently happening in the UFO phenomenon and the need to basically put some kind of emergency plan in place. I'll call it that, for lack of a better term, but some kind of plan in place to deal with what's going to be coming. And uh, I, I always get nervous, Rob, by the fact that politicians, and I deal with governments regularly, but politi- and not just on the UFO phenomenon, but you know, more mm-hmm. <laughs> standard things like health and safety initiatives and those types of things and, and regulations. But what I've seen is that governments will often rush to make policies without fully understanding the issues. And my concern is obviously that if they're put into that situation where they either don't have the policies in place or they try to create policies, that they're going to make huge mistakes in developing policies. And uh, I really want to be able to position myself and a number of other people so that we could act as advisors to the you know, government about what they need to be doing and how they need to be reacting to this really incredible phenomenon. Is it a phenomenon or is it a threat? It's not a threat, uh, but I don't believe, Rob, that we are going to be, uh, that all human beings are going to come to the conclusion that they're not a threat. I think there's always going to be a portion of us, at Mm -hmm. least for the next 20 to 30 years, that will consider them a threat. Um, It's just the nature of human beings. It's just the nature of who we are. It's a sad part of our, our you know, part of us, but that's the way it is. And the, the, this contact or this intervention is happening, you know, thousands of years probably before it should have. It's happening under the worst possible circumstances. And I can't believe it's easy for these beings as well. Um, you know, we, we sometimes consider, you know, that there might be some altruistic kind of idea that they might have for interacting with us, but really they're here just to help us. Their desire is that at some point in time in our future that we will have a more intimate relationship with them and that we'll be able to share, you know, um, just experiences and those types of things. Maybe, I don't know, maybe a thousand years in the future, you know, humanity will do something wonderful or that the universe needs us. But at this point in time, you know, we're at a very critical part in our development and their perception is is that humanity is heading down a path right now that without some kind of intervention, we're not going to make it. And that, to me, is really, um, you know, is really startling. So it's been very difficult for me. The experiences aren't easy, but I, I know that I have to do what I can to get by those types of difficulties, by those experiences, to try and understand them a little bit and to try and understand what's actually happening in order for us to kind of develop a relationship that we understand and that it's a little bit smoother, a little bit easier of a transition than it otherwise might be. Who are they, and where do they come from, Jim? Rob, you know, when I was with them, um, they're distinctly non-human, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I spent a lot of time when I was with them trying to figure out how they evolved, you know, where did they come from, what, what kind of environment did they come from. And it's very difficult. I think that their perception is, is that they come from the universe. They don't really, in a sense, may have a, they may have evolved from a home planet somewhere, Mm-hmm. But they don't consider them as, you know, I belong here. They just, they, the best way I could describe it was one gentleman described in a sense when he asked them, where do they, you know, where do you come from? And their response was, 
we come from everywhere. And I think that's probably a more accurate answer or a more accurate response to where they come from. I don't know, Rob, how many species there actually are. I mean, some people claim there's 21 or 22. Yeah. But frankly, you know, we don't really know. Um, but we do know that there's more than one or pretty, cons- you know, I, and, and that's just is relative logic, right? Sure. I mean, if, you know, if one is here, then there's likely more than one. And what they're doing and how these species interact or interrelate with each other is still really a question. We don't fully understand at this point. But at least one species has decided to take a leadership role in, in this direct interaction and, and involvement with human beings. Jim, stand and by, my a- friend. You and I have to take our news break at the bottom oh. of the hour. Exo Nation, Jim Maroney is our special guest this hour. He's the author of the Extraterrestrial Answer Book, UFOs, Alien Abductions, and the Coming ET Presence. His website, www.aufosg.com. Jim is also the director of the Alberta UFO Study Group. Once again, the website, www.aufosg.com. We'll be back after the news. Don't go away. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. There's a legend shared by many indigenous cultures of a time when the nations were cast to the four corners of the world. Each nation was given a body of sacred knowledge that held a different portion of the truth to preserve. True reality could not be known until all the nations reunited, combining the information. If a single one was missing, the world could not be reborn and darkness would prevail. The Science of Magic Radio is dedicated to reuniting the sacred knowledge. With the understanding, none of us has all the answers, but together we can open new perceptions and possibilities. Through our combined vision, the world can be reborn into a place where darkness no longer prevails. Join me, Gwilda Wiecka, and the Science of Magic daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, or visit us at thescienceofmagic.net. Exxon Nation, Jim Maroney is our guest. It's always great having Jim on the show with us. He is the director of the Alberta UFO Study Group. He's also the author of two books. His latest book, 
the extraterrestrial answer book, UFOs, Alien Abductions, and the Coming ET Presence. His website, www.aufosg.com. Jim, what was it with uh, what was it that makes you believe after your encounter with the extraterrestrials that you had in 1987 that they pose no threat to uh, that they pose no threat to humanity? Well, in my experience, Rob, there was this whole experience that I had was carefully planned and mm-hmm. detailed, uh, right to uh, everything that happened to me that particular evening. And they knew they knew they were aware of me. They they knew me long before that particular incident. So why don't we why don't we do this, Jim? For the many listeners that we that have come to the Exo Nation with our new broadcast affiliates and our networks, why don't we take them back to 1987 and share your experience, if you don't mind? Sure, not at all. I pulled into a truck truck stop after driving about ten or eleven hours, and uh, my uh, my idea was was actually to get a little bit of sleep. I figured, you know, truck stops, you know, truckers are in there sleeping in their cabs, you know, well, I should be able to get a little bit of sleep yeah. in there too as well. Yeah, well, there's a big difference between a 16-wheeler and a little back place that you can sleep in and being nice and quiet versus a Honda Civic. <laughs> so yes. I, <laughs> I pulled in, I, I, put, you know, I had a little 1987 Honda Civic, pulled into the truck stop, uh, moved myself over to the passenger side, put the seat back, took out a blanket and tried to pull it over me to see get a little bit of warmth because even though it was in mid-August, it was still actually gets cool here in, in Canada, particularly in Manitoba. Mm-hmm. I actually tried to roll down the windows a little bit to get a little bit of air into the car, but uh, actually the, the incessant mosquitoes that tried to come in. and <laughs> If you're around Winnipeg, let me tell you. Oh, tell you. It doesn't matter what you... <laughs> it's, it's true. In, in Winnipeg, the mosquitoes wear fur coats, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. So I, I rolled up all the windows, everything, tried to get some sleep, but the, you know, the, the transport trucks kept coming in. Kept, you know, I really couldn't get any sleep at all. And uh, here comes another truck, you know, transport truck. Oh, man, I'm thinking to myself, is this guy ever getting close? And um, next thing I know that the, the lights, the headlights, are moving over top of the car. And I'm thinking, what in the world? Now, the lights were so bright. I couldn't actually look into them. And so I still had my eyes closed. You know, it's just like it just an extremely brilliant light. Mm-hmm. And now these, the, the lights are moving over top of the car. Now I know this because I have a sunroof on the car. And again, you know, I, I had the seat positioned back. I had the, the seat moved back. And uh, then this incredible paralysis and this overwhelming fear came. And uh, I was essentially at the same time somehow beamed or moved onto the ship. And the next minute, I'm standing beside my car on board this ship with these beings, distinctly non-human, standing in front of me. And this whole transition, it took just a few seconds, but it was extremely painful. I mean, I don't know what they did to me to get me on board the ship. I don't know, materialize me or dematerialize me or something. But man, I'll tell you, it was really unpleasant. And that process alone scared the bejeebers out of me. And uh, so here I was. I just finished getting hurt. Mm-hmm. I find myself in a completely different environment. And I got these beings in front of me. And I'm totally lucid, completely awake. And I, you know, the first thing I did is I started yelling at them and screaming at them. Like they didn't have a right to do this. What the hell were they thinking? You know, they you know, put me back. What are you guys doing? You mm-hmm. know, you're not allowed to do this. You're not, you shouldn't be. You know, quite, I was being quite indignant, <laughs> essentially, with them. And then one being just stood forward, and immediately I was calm. 
it, it was really unusual. It was as if they have this ability to kind of, well, they do, they have this ability to calm you down. And um, it's, I would compare it to some kind of really powerful kind of hypnotic suggestion or something along those lines. Because my actions when I was with them wasn't always, I could look about it now, it didn't always seem reasonable or rational in some sense. So there's certainly some influence that they had over me, over my behavior. And um, on board the ship, I'll make it kind of a long story short, but uh, these beings themselves ranged from four and a half feet tall. They had uh, blue eyes, blue pupils. Um, so they, you know, but their pupils were, and their eyes were large, about three or four times larger than ours. They had large heads. And some of the beings that I did see on the ship, which was a shock to me, I hadn't read anything on this in the past or even since, but I saw two beings that were you know, probably 10 or 11 feet high. Wow. And they were the same general similar body you know, format, I'll call it, as the other beings that I'd seen, except they were just huge. And uh, they were dressed in black, so they had different uniforms and different colors on board this vessel. And the vessel was massive. I, I didn't even get to see a porthole or a window or anything else because I was trying to get an assessment as to mm -hmm. you know, where I was and how big this vessel was. And there wasn't even a, a sense of motion. I can only assume that we were moving, but on board this vessel, like, you know, when you're in an airplane, there's always a, a sense of motion, whether it's speeding up or slowing down or turbulence. This thing was completely smooth. You know, I have no idea where I was, to be honest with you, uh, other than obviously, you know, not in my car anymore, and um, and the and the place was clean. It was immaculate. Like it wasn't organic or anything like this. It was uh, it was like going through a real stale hospital hmm. might be the way to describe it. And everything was clean. It was just amazing and well lit. There wasn't any unusual smells in the place. And what really disturbed me through part of this experience was the fact that I'd actually seen other people lying in these beds, and they looked like they were sleeping. But they were people, some were in flannel pajamas, some were in flannel shirts, some of them had leather jackets. You know, they were, looked like they, they just took a smattering of people from all over the place and had them on this ship. And that, what really upset me was the fact that this was going on and no one knew about it. You know, I, I didn't know about it. I didn't know to the extent that this was happening. And I think it was also a sense of how, how helpless I was in this particular position. But what changed everything, Rob, and this is going back to your original question, what changed everything was towards the end of my experience, this being came to me and um, just emanated this incredible love and compassion. And it was just a remarkable experience. I hadn't really ever felt that kind of love uh, from anyone here on Earth, to be honest with you. It's just a, it's really difficult to describe. And her message to me and her feeling was, you know, what that they're trying to help us, that they're here trying to help us, that they're really concerned about our future and the challenges that we're going to have to face. That was really the message. And I don't, someone asked me a long time ago, do you think they were just lying to you? And there was, uh, you know, I had no, I am so convinced that this was exactly what she was mm -hmm. telling me and that the feelings themselves were absolutely genuine, that I don't have any sense that I was being deceived on that part of it. So I always believe now that, uh, completely believe that these beings are here to help us, but that the experience that they have to do and what they're doing is very difficult, both for us and obviously for them. Tell me, Jim, to the best of your knowledge, is there any kind of scientific evidence that would 
You know, for the for the presence of extraterrestrials from any place or with any any motive. Ah, oh, well, right now I think there's a couple of things. The evidence is there. <laughs> it's just a matter of looking for it. Mm-hmm. And I'll I'll maybe just go back a little bit to explain my reasoning and rationale for that. Sure. In my earlier career, I was involved with health and safety doing investigations, and part of my investigation process was also doing health assessments and hazard assessments on workplaces. We measured everything from radiation hazards on nuclear gauges to uh, chemical hazards and chemical exposures. Mm -hmm. And part of our research and evaluation of that environment meant that a lot of it had to do with assessing what to look for. So unless you know what you're looking for, it's difficult to determine and, and have the evidence that you need to assess or, or you know, evaluate. So in this situation, what I'm saying is that with there's evidence there, but I don't believe we are, we are looking in the right places to find, for example, physical evidence of abductions. So I believe there's evidence there, there's physical evidence there, and we could certainly prove it conclusively scientifically, but right now, Rob, yeah. no one's really taken that torch and kind of run with it. And because we don't have a lot of you know, financial commitments from large organizations to do that kind of research yet. You know, some people have tried a little bit, but to, you know, not very successful at this point. And, and on a grander scale right now, I was also on the, uh, just on the phone just two days ago with uh, our former Minister of Defense, uh, Paul Hellyer. Yes. And uh, we were discussing, you know, vehemently, essentially, what kind of policy decisions that the governments need to do uh, and what kind of evidence that needs to be presented forward to the particular governments. And we're, we're both convinced right now that there's enough evidence conclusively to prove that, you know, extraterrestrials are here. But Paul, I'm sorry, Jim, there's something I don't understand. There is legislation to protect Bigfoot. And yet there's no legislation whatsoever or no plan of action when it comes to the ET scenario. Why not? Really good question, Rob. Oh, man. I think that right now there's a lot of policy. People in, sorry, people in charge of policy decisions right now mm-hmm. don't know how to deal with this phenomenon. They deal and with Bigfoot not, for goodness sake. Why can't they, you know, like why can't they just open their eyes, open their brains and say, "Well, you know, we're protecting a big hairy monster that nobody knows exists." But when it comes yeah. to the extraterrestrial scenario, UFOs, that are a worldwide phenomenon. There are photographs, there are there's you know, there there's first class testimony like yours. There's the the evidence, radar tracking, pilots, astronauts, and yet, it seems that for one reason or another, Jim, nobody's taking this seriously. It certainly seems that way, Rob. You know, that, but yet there's a lot of people who are beginning to step forward and who are taking it very seriously. And I think that it's it's easy to be disheartened by mm-hmm. the current state of affairs with respect to you know the demand for policy decisions, the demand for better information on this particular subject, and the demand for greater research in this area. What we need to do is, number one, educate ourselves about what's actually happening, and then number two, continue to push and pursue political avenues for creating change in this particular area. And I don't know if it's going to be easy. I, I, I'm kind of, uh, gosh, you know, 
I'm kind of somewhat disillusioned in that area myself because yeah. I understand how the political nature works. I think we may actually find ourselves in a situation where we're dealing with the Gulf incident, you know, and, and I accept it's going to be a UFO incident. In other words, there's going to be such a dramatic incident that, you know, governments are going to have to find a way to respond to it, and mm-hmm. they're going to be struggling with how to just do that. So uh, I think that's per- pretty much the way it's going to unfold. I just, I hope it doesn't happen that way, but I think Look. it just might. Let me ask you this, my friend. How would you set up a response to UFOs? You have not only the ET experience, but you definitely have massive experience when it comes to, uh, you know, the health and safety aspect of, of citizens. Yeah. So, how would you how would you head it? Well, Rob, you interesting. Interestingly enough, in pandemic planning. Pandemic planning actually came out, and this is a long way of answering it, but in pandemic planning, we were looking at the idea of panic in the, in mm-hmm. the population and how to deal with a crisis in which you know, a disease is killing lots of people. Right. Some work had been done previously to this on bioterrorism. In other words, how do we respond to a bioterrorist attack? You know, how does the government respond to it? And uh, the idea of panic came, came up, and research into panic came up. And what we understand from all of that work and all of that research is that the first thing is, is that public panic is really actually very rare. And it's most rare when the public has been candidly informed. So to answer your question, the first thing we need to do is announce that the UFO phenomenon is real. We may not have all the answers, and even the politicians who are announcing it may not have all the answers about where they come from and what they're doing. But it's really important that they first of all announce that it's real and then put in a process of communication that at least has the projection of transparency. Because there's a lot of people, even if the government announced it now, the way it's been handled in the past, there's going to be a lot of mistrust towards the government. Mm -hmm. Why would I believe you now? (laughs) You've been been lying to me for 60 years. Even if you tell me the UFO phenomenon is real, how can I trust any further information coming from you? You know, this is an example that that I've used many times. You know, if the President of the United States or the Prime Minister of Canada decided to call a news conference pertaining to extraterrestrials, and they announced that, listen, we've gone through all our files, we da-da-da-da-da-da, and there is no proof. Or if they went the other way and said, yes, they are here, nobody would believe them. I know. It's, it's, it's one of the biggest things, Rob, they're going to have to deal with is the issue of public trust. And the only way that they're going to be able to build that trust mm-hmm. is to reevaluate what they're doing and and to put systems in place that do that. So you have to come up and be transparent about what you're doing. So my guess is you're going to have to have a committee that's going to be made up of, I'll call them stakeholders, in other words, people who've been researching the UFO right. phenomenon for a long time. Probably you're going to have to interject it with some other people as well, maybe some people from the public. Hey, well, listen, and gonna, you and I have to oh. take a commercial break, but I must tell you, as a Canadian, you've got my vote. Thanks, Rob. All right, Jim Maroney is my special guest. www.aufosg.com. That's the Alberta UFO Study Group. And Jim's the author of the Extraterrestrial Answer Book. We'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, here in the X-Zone. This is 
This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Hi, I'm Larry Lawson, host of Paranormal Stakeout. With over 36 years in law enforcement, I have learned a few things. The most important is the proper gathering and preservation of evidence is vital to putting the bad guy behind bars. It's no different in the world of paranormal investigation, whether it's the search for the afterlife, cryptozoology, UFOs, and extraterrestrials. How we gather the evidence, preserve that evidence, and present it to a jury of our peers will make the ultimate difference in proving the existence of worlds and entities that are beyond our imagination. Join me, Larry Lawson, every week on Paranormal Stakeout when, along with my guests, we'll take a journey to prove with indisputable evidence what man has struggled to believe for centuries. Go to xzbn.net for the broadcast schedule and check me out at paranormalstakeout.com. True healing must address four levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, for us to live joyful and productive lives. We tend to treat three of the four, leaving the spiritual languishing. If you're tired of the same dysfunctional patterns cropping up in your life, soul balancing is for you. Trixie Phelps, owner and founder of Soul Balancing, is a naturally gifted energy healer trained in numerous esoteric forms, including shamanism. Trixie has created a powerful modality that safely and effectively clears your energetic field. A soul balancing session can remove interference, heal trauma, and restore your hope. Contact Trixie for a life-changing long-distance session today, www.soulbalancing.world. We played this song because it's entitled Springtime in Alberta by Ian Tyson, but Ian, come on, get to the title, for goodness sake. We've only got four <laughs> minutes and 50 seconds in this segment. Jim, as always, great having you with us. Uh, congratulations on your new book, and please give my very best to all the great members of the Alberta UFO Study Group. But I but I have to I, I have to ask you to, to, if you could, come to the conclusion on how citizens around the world could could prepare themselves and get ready for the coming ET presence. Well, what we know right now, Rob, is that this is one of the most exciting times in all of human history, without question, and that this is going to be a big struggle, and it's going to be a personal struggle for all of us. What we need to do to prepare individually is, number one, educate yourself, and it's a tough, tough you know, a road to hoe because there's a lot of misinformation out there. But do your best to educate yourself about what's happening. Secondly, if you have some kind of spiritual practice, whatever that is, whatever that may be, spend a little bit of time in that spiritual practice, a little bit more of an effort mm-hmm. than you had in the past. That's the other thing I would do. But let and me ask you about spirituality. Three, How? All right, give me number three, and then I've got a question for you. 
Well, and number three is that just remember that just because you have an abduction experience or whatever doesn't make you different than other people. In fact, there's a, a greater connection with other people than you really felt in the past. And so you shouldn't feel isolated or remote from other people. How do you think the, the proof positive to the masses that extraterrestrials really do exist will affect the established religious philosophies on this planet? <laughs> cool. Well, there's, they're going to have challenges, for yeah, sure. No, no, we know the Pope's but, going to be out of a job, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But what we also know mm -hmm. is that these religions have continued to evolve yeah. over many, many years. I really believe that ultimately, Rob, in the end, that any religion that promotes the degradation of another person or to promote themselves over somebody else or who promotes violence... Mm -hmm. I don't think there's going to be any place for them, you know, for that kind of belief system yeah. in, in the future. So I think they're going to be able to adapt. I think that many of them can. They're just going to change. I mean, that's what's been happening for thousands of years. All the major world religions have adapted and changed. Um, I think they're just going to have to be faced with another adaptation, and they probably will. Are UFOs uh, still being sighted over Alberta? They are. Uh, they're still in increasing numbers. And it seems to be not just because people are willing to report it or feeling a little bit easier uh, or at ease about reporting them, mm -hmm. but there actually seems to be a, a continual increase in the activity of these uh, UFOs. So I think there's a, a general strategy that's unfolding for the extraterrestrials, that they're giving us an, an appropriate time to get used to the idea that they're here. It's going to be really intriguing when they decide that, they, you know, that humanity needs to know that they're here with certainty. Hey, Jim, great having you on the show. Again, congratulations on your new book, The Extraterrestrial Answer. And, uh, you know, keep the great work up because, uh, you know, we need people like you out there, Jim, who've had the experience, who have the ability to think straight. And please keep spreading the word. Will do, Rob. Thank you so much for this opportunity and have yourself a wonderful day. You take care of yourself, my good friend. And once again, my regards to all the other members of the Alberta UFO Study Group. Exonation, www.aufosg.com. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as the Exon continues from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away.